You can, if you will, turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. And as you go there, I want to read this verse to you out of the 85th Psalm. Psalm 85, verses 6 and 7 says, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Isn't that great? I like that. I, I just got to think about that. I didn't give it to him. That's why I didn't put it on the screen. But Psalm 85, 6 and 7, David says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Woo, when there's revival going on, people rejoice in the Lord, don't they? Amen. You can tell when there's a revival, there's rejoicing. If there's no revival, Pastor, if there's no revival, there's no rejoicing. Amen. You see, whenever we begin to see what revival means, and I, I looked up the word revive, and the Greek means to flourish anew. So we could say, uh, Lord, will you not cause us to flourish again so we can praise you? Revival in Webster's means restoration to vigor or activity. Hallelujah. Lord, will you not restore us to vigor and great activity so we can praise you with our life? Amen. And so we rejoice today that God is the God of praise. He's the God of worship. He's the God of revival. And we believe that He's going to revive us. Amen? We've also, in our first session, we looked into that, you know, Christianity is not a Sunday morning religion. It is not a one time to the altar. But becoming a new creation means that you are now changing lordship. You're coming from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And you're dedicating your life to be a light shining out to others. Amen? In fact, Christianity is serving the Lord. We saw in Psalm 100, he said, Make a joyful shout unto the Lord, all you nations, and serve the Lord with gladness. We found that the word serve there means to work, or it also means worship. And so he said, Your service unto the Lord is your worship unto the Lord. And everybody ought to have a shout of joy. Amen. Glory to God. How do I know if I'm in revival? Well, if I've been revived, I'm going to shout. I'm going to praise. I'm going to give praise to God and walk in His goodness. Amen? There's going to be a change take place in my life. People should see revival in our lives. Amen? Glory to God. David went on another psalm, and he said over here in, in what, the 126th psalm, I believe is where it's at. I know I'm not getting to my scripture yet, but you know you just have to follow the Holy Ghost. These are winter seminar. Hallelujah. You know, over here in the, in the 126th Psalm, he said, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Woo, when there's revival coming, folks, when God begins to restore us and renew us and, and, and bring life back into us, praise God, we begin to dream again. Hallelujah. We begin to worship again. We begin to shout praise to God again. We begin to live joyful lives. Amen. We rejoice with the Lord. Then he says, then our mouth was filled with laughter. I mean, if you've got revival going on in your life, you're going to have some joy in your life. Amen. That frown's going to turn, be turned back up again, praise God. And a big smile, laughter, and joy, and rejoicing is going on. And he goes on, and he says this, and our tongues with singing. Now listen to this. Then said they among the heathen or among the nation, among people that aren't saved. I mean, even unsaved people can see when there's a revival going on with God's people. It's noticeable to the world. Amen. It's a noticeable to people that aren't even saved. Notice he says this. Here's what the heathen will say. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, we need to be living in such an anointing and in the presence of God and with a reviving and restoration and renewal and flourishing in the things of God until the the people around say, the Lord is doing some good things for you. Man, the Lord's blessing you, isn't he? And you look at him and say, yes, he is. Hallelujah. God is blessing me and we're walking in that blessing. But now look over here. We talked about, you know, serving the Lord. Revival means that the church begins to serve the Lord. Our service unto the Lord becomes an outflow of our relationship with the Lord. If we're revived and if we're full of the anointing, we're full of vigor, we're full of the the rejoicing of the Lord and we're flourishing in the Lord God, then our service unto the Lord becomes an outflow of our walk with the Lord. And I'll be real honest with you, it is anyway, whether you're in revival or you're not. Amen. Our service unto the Lord is always a reflection outwardly of what's going on inwardly in our lives. And so therefore, we need to to be in service for the Lord. We need to be excited for the Lord. We need to be full of praise to the Lord. We need to have songs of worship unto the Lord. And we need to live in such a way that, like 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 said, that we are God's chosen generation, and people know that God has brought us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Amen? And we're proclaiming that and living that and enjoying being a Christian. Hallelujah. Let us serve him with gladness, he said. And that word gladness means mirth and merriment and enjoyment. In other words, it ought to be fun being a Christian. We should be enjoying our trip to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, church. You got to get a hold of this. A lot of people got saved and they're hanging on, holding out and praying for God to come back again. Oh, Jesus. But you know, the Lord is saying to us that we should be enjoying this trip. We should be walking in His power, walking in His glory, walking in His victory. His presence should be in our lives and upon our lives. And we should be able to look at things and just laugh. Hallelujah. We have to look around. That doesn't mean that you're laughing because, you know, you, you just, you're disrespectful. But you're like Job over there. When Job looked out and he saw the stuff going on, he said, I'm just going to be like God. And at destruction and famine, I'm just going to laugh. Hallelujah. I'm just going to rejoice. I'm not going to let everything that's going on around me determine who I am. I'm going to let what's going on inside of me determine what I am and what I do and how I live. Amen? And that's where the church has to come to a place of revival. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, the Amplified reads it like this. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. I like that. Just don't go through the motion. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Notice that. He says, be aglow and burning with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, serving the Lord. In other words, my service unto the Lord should be a passion. Are you hearing me? It should be a glow. I should be a glow. When I'm doing the things of God, I ought to light up. Hallelujah. Amen. And notice he says, for you to be a burning and a glow, you have to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, you have to be a glow and burning with the Spirit. You have to have the Spirit of God in operation in your life if you're going to serve the Lord with zeal. Amen? The Message Bible reads it like this. Don't burn out. Boy, that's a good word, isn't it? Amen. A lot of burnout Christians today. Amen. 
through, through the attacks of the enemy, through discouragement, through some defeats in their life, through some failures, through some things somebody's done to them or, or some disappointment, they've gotten burnt out or they tried to do too much too quick and went way beyond their ability to believe God and just burned themselves out and decided that, well, it ain't going to work, so I'll just quit. But here the Bible says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? In other words, keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Now that's important. I believe that's got to be there. He says, be a glow and burning with the spirit. And then the message says, keep yourselves. Keep yourselves. In other words, take some responsibility in here to keep yourselves fueled up and on fire for God. Amen? Now that tells me if I have to keep myself fueled and aflame, that means I'm going to have to have constant, continual refreshings and renewings from the presence of the Lord. Amen? I can't live on yesterday's experience. I have to learn from the types and shadows, even the Old Testament. When the children of Israel were in, in, in the, 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 the wilderness, God rained down manna from heaven, but they had to go out every day and get some. Amen. You couldn't keep yesterday's manna in a container because worms ate it up. You had to go out every day and get you some fresh manna. What was God saying to them? I want you living for me every day of your life. I want you trusting me every day of your life. I want to be your source every day of your life. I want to be the fuel that feeds your life and causes you to have strength and vigor and vim to go on every day of your life. I want you to come out here and get some fresh manna from heaven every day of your life. Amen. And now Paul is writing to the church here in Rome, and he's been teaching us. He's brought us from the law. He's brought us into salvation by grace. He's brought us into the, the, the flow of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God. And then now he's gotten over here, and he's talked to us about presenting our bodies, renewing our minds, realizing we all have giftings from God. And then he says, now don't lag in zeal and endeavor serving the Lord. He says, but keep yourself aglow and burning in the Spirit as you serve the Lord. And then another translation says, don't burn out with all this good stuff that God's doing in your life. Don't let it burn out. What do you do when you let a fire burn out? You quit putting stuff on it. You can have a great campfire going on, but if you don't keep tending to it, it'll eventually burn out. You have to keep putting fuel on it. And so that's really what the message is telling us here. He's saying, keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Keep what it takes to keep you on fire for God operating consistently and continuously in your life. Amen? Amen. Now, what is that be a glow with the Spirit? Look in Acts chapter 1. Acts, the first chapter, the Lord Jesus, after his resurrection, comes and teaches the disciples until he's caught up. And he begins to teach them, the Bible says here in Acts 1, about things pertaining to and of the kingdom of God. Now, how many of you know that in the last days of his ministry, before he went on the cross, one of the most important topics that he would continuously bring up to the disciples was that they needed to get ready for another helper that was coming from heaven to help them to do his works and to serve him. In fact, even after he's raised from the dead in Luke, he goes to him in Luke 24, 49 and says this. He says, after he tells him, now you've got to take this gospel, you've got to go reach the world, you've got to bring remission of sins, let people know that it's not a forgiveness of sins, it's a remitting of their sins. It's a washing them and a cleansing them and a de total deliverance from a sin life. And he said, but before you launch out and do this, go tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
In other words, for you to do this ministry and to you to serve me, I want to give you something that's going to help you to stay aglow and burning and on fire and not burning out. Amen? Amen. And so the things he begins to bring up then as he's teaching on the kingdom here in Acts 1, in verse 4, he says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Notice he didn't highly suggest it. This is a commandment. This is an order from the commander-in-chief. Amen? This is the order from the king of kings and lord of lords to those who are following him. And he commanded them... And look what he says. Assembled together, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. In other words, the things I taught you before the cross, now you need to stay right here because it's about to come to pass. Well, what is that promise? He tells us in verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So now Jesus is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's going to happen with this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Verse 8, he tells us, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice this, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not for their salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower them to witness to bring salvation to others. Come on, I'm not making this up. I just read it to you. I'm, just, I'm talking to you from the lips of Jesus. He's not talking to them about them getting saved. He's talking about them receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon them and give them power, ability, efficiency, and might to go out and be a witness. And the word witness there means one who can give evidence and proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to equip us to serve God aglow and burning. Are you hearing me? Now, let's go over here to the second chapter of the book of Acts. And, <clears throat> excuse me, pick it up here in verse 36. Let's read about what Peter, you know, the apostle Peter, he's part of the 120. It's in the upper room and the Holy Ghost is poured out. And, and the anointing comes on him to begin to teach the word. Because here's the thing, folks, we need the Holy Ghost to come upon us. We need to have songs of praise. We need to have rejoicing. We need to serve the Lord with gladness and mirth. And, and, and we need to have a shout of joy. And we need to have laughter. And we need for people to see God working in our lives. But it cannot stop right there. Because you see, the power of the Holy Spirit is not just so we can be blessed. The power of the Holy Spirit is so we can take the zeal and the vigor and the excitement and the joy and the burning of God and the passion of God and go out and win souls and bring people's lives to Jesus Christ. Amen? So Peter, on the day of Pentecost, you know, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and, he, and, he, and, and, and they're praising God and worshiping God, but then all of a sudden Peter begins to preach. And he takes a text from Joel chapter 2 and he begins to minister to him about what the Lord has done and what's going to happen in the last days. And he gets up here and he talks that this Jesus Christ is the one that God has raised up now. And then in verse 36, the Bible says this, Therefore let all the house of Israel know, assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Woo, glory to God. Because, you see, when there, there is a real move of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon people, we as Christians will begin to enjoy our trip on the way to heaven. 
But whenever we get out and we begin to do the things of God, we will not draw attention to the Holy Spirit. We will not draw attention to the speaking in tongues. We will not draw attention to the zeal, the laughter, and the joy. We will draw attention to Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit came to witness and testify the Lord Jesus Christ. So a true revival is going to bring a lot of people into the kingdom of God and help them to become servants of the Most High God and change their lives. Amen? And Peter's preaching with boldness. And so when he gets done, they ask the question that every one of us should ask if we haven't already. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know the difference in us trying to reach the world in our power and us trying to reach the world through the burning, the glowing, the power, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Our words do not have the ability to cause your hearts to burn. Our words in our own strength, in our own ability, I don't care how much you love Jesus, our words do not have the power to cut into somebody's heart where they really need to be touched. But words that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, words that are on fire with the life of God, flowing out of our lips, flowing out of us under the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden they go beyond the flesh and they go down into the inner parts of the man and they begin to cut into the spirit of man, into the heart of man. And all of a sudden conviction comes in and the question comes up, am I saved or am I not? And if I'm not, what do I need to do? We need the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Peter begins to answer them. And I want you to see a couple of things here. He teaches them here both, both the new birth and the fullness of the Holy Spirit because he says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and every, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's the new birth. Are you listening to me? Repent. Turn your life to Christ. Turn from doing it your way. Repent means an about face. It means to change the way you think, change the way you live, change the way you believe, and turn to Christ. And to let the world know that you've turned to Christ, follow Him in baptism. In other words, be buried with Christ and be raised with Christ and live for Christ. So He just preached the new birth to them. But He doesn't stop there. He says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You know he's talking about the new birth because he, not, he didn't say forgiveness of sins. He says the complete blotting out and changing of your life. That you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your sins are remitted. Never to be brought up again. Never to be thought about again. Nothing ever again to be said because the old man has passed away and all things have become new. It's what water baptism is. It's you coming up out of that water saying, I died with Christ, I was buried with Christ, and now I'm raised up to live for Christ. Hallelujah. And I want the world to know that I'm a new creation in Christ. And so he's preaching salvation to them in the first part of this, this verse. But then look what he says. And you shall receive the gift. Everybody say gift. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, for the promise, now he goes back to the promise. 
Same thing Jesus said in Acts 1. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are in as many as the Lord our God shall call. Notice this, that God wants you saved by His Spirit, but He also wants you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And listen, let's just take it a step farther. He doesn't just want you, the adult, filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you saved and your kids saved and your grandkids saved and your family saved and your brothers saved and your mama saved and your daddy saved and everybody around you filled with the Holy Ghost. So when y'all come together and have a family reunion, you come together, oh Jesus, hallelujah. And it's a Holy Ghost reunion. Because you have turned yourself to God. He doesn't just want you experiencing this. He wants everybody that you know to get in on this experience. But somebody come along and say, now, Brother Hubbard, how do you know he's talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost? Well, he just, let's, let's look at the word gift there again. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's go over to Acts chapter 10. It's going to be on the screen until they find it. Hallelujah. Amen. Look in Acts chapter 10. You know, Peter goes down to Cornelius' house and, and he begins to preach Christ unto them. And the Bible says in verse 44, when Peter was still speaking, while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came up with Peter. Now listen, now listen, because the gift, everybody say the gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. Hallelujah. Woo! What did they do when the Holy Ghost came on them? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Oh, hallelujah. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When you hear God speaking and the apostles and the, and the teachers talking the gift of the Holy Ghost, you know you're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the empowerment to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody says, are you sure? Well, let's give you one more. Look in Acts chapter 11. The apostle Peter, you know, he, he gets called on the carpet up at Jerusalem for going down there and preaching to them dogs. They called Gentiles dogs. They thought we were, you know, the all scourge of the earth. And, and so there's no way. In fact, we were called common and unclean. But thank God, whenever the apostle Peter had that vision up there on the housetop, the Lord spoke to him and said, don't you call anything that I've cleansed common anymore. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, when you've been cleansed by the blood of the lamb, you're not common and you're not unclean. Hallelujah. There ain't nothing common about me. There ain't nothing common about you. There ain't nothing unclean about me. There ain't nothing unclean about you. I've been washed in the blood of the lamb and Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. God calls me an uncommon believer. Hallelujah. Woo. And so Peter begins to preach to them and he begins to tell James, here's what went on. And you drop all the way down here to about verse 17. And he says this, if therefore God gave them the same, what? gift. Look at that. If God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Now we not only find out that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how he's recognized. We find out that here in Acts chapter 10, 10 to 15 years after Pentecost, they got the same gift that the 120 got on the day of Pentecost. 
And we could continue to follow this along. Praise God. You get in the 19th chapter and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They got the same gift 20 to 25 years after Pentecost. And guess what? On June the 7th, 1977, at about 20 minutes to 8 o'clock on a Tuesday night, I knelt down on the bedside in the upstairs bedroom of the old house down at the farmhouse in Union Hall, Virginia. And I asked the Holy Ghost to come in and I got the same gift of the Holy Ghost that they got on the day of Pentecost. And I got the same same power. I got the same revelation. I got the same tongues. I got the same joy. I got the same victory. Woo! Glory to God. And that's where we've got to return. We've got to understand it's a gift. And the gift is given by the discretion of the giver. That means that God chose to do this. God chose. It's the promise of the Father. The Father chose to do this. It's His gift to His children. And we have to serve the Lord with a glow and burning in the Spirit. But if we're going to do that, we have to keep ourselves fueled and aflamed. Amen? What's going to happen to me when I get filled with the Holy Ghost? Go back to Acts chapter 2. Acts the second chapter. The same thing Peter said happened to Cornelius, it happened to them. So whatever happened to Peter is going to happen to Cornelius, is going to happen to the Baptist up there in, in, the, in Acts 19, and it's going to happen to you. Somebody said, what would you call those 19 chapter Baptists? Because they only knew the things of John the Baptist. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Repent and rededicate every Sunday. Praise God. No. Thank God for the Baptist. Hallelujah. What's that gift going to do? What's, what's the gift going to do for me? Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There, then there appeared to them divided tongues like as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. But folks, they didn't just speak in tongues. Look what it says in verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Verse 7, then they were all amazed. I mean, people started getting amazed. People started saying, the Lord has done something great for them. Hallelujah. There's things going on we don't understand. This isn't common. No, nothing common about the Holy Spirit. And there ought not be anything common about you and me. He's an uncommon gift, and we are an uncommon people. Hallelujah. We are a peculiar people, a God-chosen people. Amen? And we're supposed to be letting our light shine unto Him. Look what happens then in verse 11. He says, he says, we hear them. Now, what's going on? We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. What was the Holy Spirit doing through the apostles? He was glorifying Jesus. The Holy Spirit was anointing them to speak of the wonderful works of God. Why? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, he said that no man can say Jesus is accursed by the Spirit of God. Because no man can say Jesus is Lord, but it's by the Spirit of God. In other words, the Holy Ghost will never, ever bring anything but glory to the Lord. 
And if we want to bring glory and speak of the wonderful works of God and let people see things in us and grab a hold of their lives and begin to put a, have a platform where we can speak boldly into them to get them to the place where they say, what shall we do? Because our hearts are burning. At first we thought you were strange. We heard you speaking in tongues. We saw you dancing and shouting and praising God. Seemed like you were just full of joy and we just couldn't understand it. But now that you've talked to us, what do I do to get this? And 3,000 on that day came to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we act like we don't need this today. When was the last time you heard there was a crusade and 3,000 people got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? I believe we need revival. Amen. And we need to be aglow and burning with the Holy Spirit. But we have to keep ourselves. Notice they were filled with the Spirit and anointed by the Spirit. But now, look over in the 92nd Psalm. I want you to see something. David gives us some insight here. In Psalm 92, we'll pick it up in verse 8. David says some things in this 92nd Psalm. It starts off by praising the Lord and, and exalting the Lord and magnifying the Lord. It's just a, a, it's just a great song. It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. He, he begins to sing praises. And then he gets down here in, and in verse 8 and he says, But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. Oh, he begins to exalt the Lord. He begins to magnify the Lord. And then he says, For behold, your enemies, Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish, and the, and the workers of iniquity, the evildoers, shall be scattered. In other words, Lord, I'm praising you and exalting you, and I believe that you're going to behold from heaven, and you're going to work in my behalf, and you're going to take care of my troubles. Amen? Amen. And then look what he says in verse 10. But my horn, see, you're going to get rid of them, but my horn you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I've been anointed with fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Hallelujah. Verse, verse 10 is what I want to concentrate on. Notice he says, Lord, I'm exalting you today. I started off praising you. Then I remind you the enemy's coming against me. But Lord, I believe that you're going to behold from heaven. You're not going to leave me and you're not going to forsake me. But Lord, I know I've got a part in this thing too. So I'm going to ask you to exalt my horn like that of a wild ox. Why would you, you know, I like that, the wild ox. Somebody says, why an ox? Well, you know, if you go back and study the history, when they were going across the plains, they would get rid of the horse teams and give them a team of oxen. Why? Because horses would go out in that, in that space out there where there was no water and it was hot and dry, and they'd wear out and they wouldn't make the trip, and it would put you in danger of dying. But an old team of oxen, I mean, just give them a little sip every now and then and give them a little bit of grain, and they could walk you right across those plains and right over to the waterside. Hallelujah. They were stronger. They were strong in, in, in themselves. And so when David is saying, Lord, make me strong, my horn represents my strength. The Amplified reads it this way, but my horn, my emblem of excessive strength and stately grace, you've exalted like that of a wild ox. In other words, God, I thank you today that you're going to give me excess, excessive strength, more strength than I could ever need. And you're going to give me stately grace so I can stand in the midst of my enemies attacking me and carry myself with dignity and honor and bring glory to you. And Lord, I want to thank you right now that I'm anointed with the fresh oil of the Holy Ghost. What's he saying? He's saying, I've had the oil, but I get some fresh oil now. See, I got to keep myself fueled and aflame. How am I going to keep myself? You've got to understand, folks, there's one baptism of the Holy Spirit for the believer, but there are many, many refillings of the Holy Spirit for the believer. There are many times we don't need another word. We need some fresh oil. 
We need a renewal. We need a reviving. We need a refreshing. We need God to pour His Spirit out upon us again. And he says, I'm, I'm anointed with fresh oil. You know, basically he's saying, I'm so anointed it just drips off of me. Amen. That's why David said, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. Why? Because every we walk, we're leaving a print of oil. Hallelujah. Because we're dripping the oil of the Spirit right through that. Hallelujah. We just stand full of the oil. And, and you know what's so great about being anointed with fresh oil? You know, they used to have, in, in, on, on Fourth of July picnics, they used to have grease pig contests. And they'd grease that pig up, put all the stuff all over, and, and make him as slippery as you could be. And then they'd put a big reward up if you could go out and grab him. And nobody could grab him. Hallelujah. Huh? You couldn't hold him. Because he was so slippery, you couldn't keep hold of him. And he'd get away. And you know what God's saying? He said, I want to anoint you with so much fresh oil so that you just drip with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And when your enemies come against you, you're so full of the anointing, he may reach out and try to grab you, but he can't hang on to you because you're so full of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You just slip right through his hands. You walk in the power of God, and no weapon formed against you can prosper. Hallelujah. Come on, church, and you just stay aglow, and you walk in a stateliness about you, and there's a strength about you, and there's a grace about you, and people say, that man must be, or that woman must be a child of God, because you can't act like that without God's help. You can't be that calm without God's help. You can't have any joy without God in your life, and we begin to be a, a demonstration of God's grace through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need a revival of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Look in Ephesians 5 real quickly. Let's go over here in, the, in this New Testament now. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the apostle Paul, of course, he, he begins to speak to us. And, and this fifth chapter, he's, he's really giving us instruction on how to live for God and, and to love God and to conduct ourselves. And then he gets down here in verse 18. And he says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation, which is excess. <laughs> Yes, dissipation. Okay, excess. King James, glory to God. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Amplified reads it like this. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Now, that, that's more accurate to the original Greek, because to be ever filled, you could say it like this. But be continuously filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because the Greek scholars I've read about said this. There's a play on words when he says, but be filled with the Spirit. That, that, but be filled is a continuous action verb. It means, but be being filled with the Spirit. See, he's not talking now about being baptized in the Holy Ghost. You go to God, and you, you confess Jesus as Lord, and you say, Lord, I believe you now to fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost coming into me and upon me, and, I, and as an act of my faith, I'm going to speak in tongues, I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to walk in the power of God, and I receive the Holy Spirit as my helper right now. And you receive that one time, and the Holy Spirit comes into you and upon you, and you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, and He will never leave you nor forsake you. But folks, once you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and empowered with the Holy Ghost, you need continual refreshings and renewings and stirrings of the Holy Ghost in your life. Revival is exactly what it says. Reviving what's in you. Stirring up what's in you. What happens whenever I get revived and I get filled with the Spirit? Look what he goes on and he says. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another in the fear of God. What's he saying when you get a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost? He's saying this, it's going to change how you talk. It's going to take doubt and fear and and aggravation and frustration out of your mouth. And you're going to begin to speak your faith. And you're going to begin to speak joy. And you're going to begin to speak good things and blessings to people. Hallelujah. How do I know if I need a revival? What have you been talking? What has been the tone of your voice? What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about our nation? What are you saying about your church? What are you saying about your family? What are you saying about your finances? What are you saying about your situation? Now I'm going to tell you, if it isn't edifying and full of power, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and get the Holy Ghost back in your confession. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Ghost speaks of the wonderful works of Jesus and wonderful works of God. Second of all, it'll, it'll, it'll change your attitude in, in praise. You'll, he says singing, spiritual songs, meaning what? Man, it won't be hard to get you to praising God. Amen. You begin to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What's that mean? I, my confession gets changed. The next thing you know, I've got a song in my heart. Hallelujah. I've got victory in my life. I'm praising God. I'm worshiping God. I'm magnifying God. I'm happy. I mean, when the enemy comes in, I'm like Paul and Silas. I pray, put it in God's hands and start singing praise. I don't care if my feet are in stocks. I don't care if I'm in the back of the jail. I don't care if I've been beaten by the devil. I'm coming out of this because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And you can't keep a revival man chained up and locked up he's gonna come out hallelujah I've got praise in my mouth now and because I've got praise in my mouth the Lord is enthroned upon my life and he will bring me out notice that and then notice what he says and giving thanks always for all things meaning what I got an attitude of gratitude I'm serving the Lord with gladness it's a good day. Oh, I'm so glad to be alive. Woo, I thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your goodness. Woo, hallelujah. And then he says, submitting, meaning what? It's not hard for me to submit to my God when I'm filled with his Holy Ghost. So somebody says, how do I know if I've, I've, I've got revival? Well, what's in your mouth? What are you talking? What's your confession? Number two, is there any praise in your mouth? Do you have a song of praise? Are you praising God in your situations? Or are you complaining in your situation? Number three, are, do you have an attitude of, of, glad, of gladness and rejoicing and, and, and shouting and thanking God right in the midst of your problem? And, and number four, are you submitted to God and you're doing what he asked you to do? Because you see, if you're not, you need to be revived and continually filled. And you need to go ahead and fuel yourself up until your flame begins to rise up again. Because these things happen when we receive a continual infilling and flowing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, let me show you why we need this. Look over it real quickly to Acts chapter 4. Go back over here. Acts chapter 4. You know, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go up to the, the, the temple and they, uh, you know, they, they get the lame man healed and then they get to preaching and praise God. Another 5,000 people get saved through the power of God, the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit. Why did they, how could, was it that they could raise that man up? Peter said, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, he knew he had the name. How did he know he had the name? Because you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witness. Hallelujah. 
The Holy Ghost lets you know who you are and what you have. So he begins to walk in there. And so they take him and put him in jail. It's already the evening. And so they put him in jail till the next day. And we pick it up here in verse 7. In Acts chapter 4. And it says, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Now listen to this next verse. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Woo, glory. Now wait a minute. This isn't the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Peter was there. He's already been filled with the Holy Ghost. He's part of that 120 there in Acts chapter 2. They got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Spirit gave mutterance. Amen. So he's not talking about getting baptized in the Holy Ghost again. What's he talking about? He's talking about being ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about receiving a fresh oil of the Spirit of God. He's about being empowered again with the Holy Ghost. Amen. In other words, the Holy Ghost comes on him to re-strengthen him and renew him for this moment. And look what he does. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, said unto them, rulers and people and elders of Israel, if we this day, and he goes on and talks about if we're going to be judged, we're going to do this, we want you to know that it is by the name of Jesus Christ that this man stands here whole and healed before you. And we want you to know also that at the name of Jesus you'll get saved. And there's no other name under heaven that you can be saved because Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And so he's preaching a powerful message. Why? Because he's got, just got a refilling of the the Holy Ghost. Fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost just came on him. And when it did, it revives the power and the boldness of God in him. Now what happens after all this? Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, just, just realized they didn't have a doctorate degree from the scribe seminary. Had no master's degree. From the Pharisaical Institute of Sadducees. Amen. These, are, these, these, these people haven't even been trained like we have. And how did, oh my God. And so it says this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. Folks, why do we need to be revived with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Because we need the world to see that we've been with Jesus. How we handle things, our attitude towards dealing with problems and dealing with things, coming up with right answers, saying the right things in the right situations. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's why the church needs Him so bad. And that's why each one of us need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit coming into and upon us. Amen. Now let's just don't stop here. Let's, let's, let's finish it right on down here in verse 29. Verse 23, after they are loose, they let them go because they, they, they can't fight God. I mean, you know. And then he said, don't go and preach anymore in that name. And Peter just looked at him and said, oh yeah. That's modern translation. Amen. Uh-huh. I wouldn't bet my life on that. And so they go back to the church and they get with their own company and they begin to pray. And they begin to look to God. They begin to, to report the greatness of God and all the good things of God. And then they begin to cry out to God. And here's the, how they finish it in verse 29. And now, Lord, look on their threats. What did David say? Behold, Lord. Behold your adversaries, O Lord. Behold your enemies, Lord, and cause them to perish. Behold your, your evildoers, Lord, and scatter them. Behold, Lord, look down from your holy place in heaven. Look at that. 
See that? Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, listen, and when they had prayed, the place where they assembled, were assembled together, was shaken, and they, the whole church, were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The whole church in Jerusalem, this, this is a part of that 3,000 and now 5,000. And folks, when they got saved back in the day, they got them filled immediately. They didn't just let them go about their business. They got saved, filled the Holy Ghost, baptized in water, and planted in the church. Acts chapter 2 says that the people broke bread daily. They lived for God daily. They came to the church daily. They fellowshiped daily. They, 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 fest, they, they read the, the things of God and they, they lived on the doctrine of the apostles and they had great favor with the people and were adding to the church daily as many as were being saved. Why? Because they were full of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost was making them witnesses and people were recognizing Jesus in their life. So they've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But here it says they are filled with the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? A fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost came on the entire church. And they all left that service speaking the Word of God with boldness and courage. What's the Holy Spirit here to do? He's to give us boldness and courage to stand up against the attacks of the enemy and proclaim the goodness of God. Hallelujah. The whole church... I believe that if we receive from God tonight and pray and, and just let our faith rise up to God and humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to thank you. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you need to receive the gift of salvation because that's God's gift to the world. Are you listening to me? The gift of salvation. And the gift of salvation, according to Titus chapter 3, says that you, you receive it through the washing and the renewing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, God told, Jesus told Nicodemus there, he said, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, your spirit man needs to be born of the Spirit of God. You need to be born again. You need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. You need to receive the gift of salvation because the gift of salvation is God's gift to the sinner. But then once you've made Jesus your Lord, praise God, you're no longer a sinner or uncommon or unclean. Now you're a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God. And now the Bible says in the, in the Bible over in Luke and also in Matthew, he talks about if you earthly fathers know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things and give the Holy Spirit to his children? In other words, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to the church. The new birth is God's gift to the world, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's gift to His people. And that gift is to empower us to live our lives as a light shining out to others, to strengthen us. And I want to tell you something, folks. Just because you get filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown in jail, but they didn't get the Holy Spirit thrown out of them. In fact, they took Him to jail with Him, and He got them out. Amen. Are you hearing me? We'll face troubles. We'll face struggles. That's why the Bible says there in the message, it says, don't burn out. Meaning what? If you don't keep getting fresh anointings from God, your fire will burn out. But keep yourself fueled and aflame, serving God in the Spirit. How's your fire tonight? How's your fire? 
We need to get some oil poured on our fire. You know what happens whenever you fill the, 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 the lantern back up with oil and put a little match to it? Man, I'm going to tell you what. If you don't have any oil, you can turn that little thing. Remember the old kerosene lanterns and all the old stuff? You, know, you could see them. You know, they had a little thing where you could turn the fire up or down, up or down. But if you ran out of oil, it didn't matter if you had a wick. You could turn that thing all you wanted to, and there wasn't anything going to shine out of it. But you know what? You put that oil back in there, and somebody flip that and strike that thing. You know what happened? You could turn that thing, and that would just soak it up, and it would, all of a sudden the flame would grow, and that thing would light up the whole house. Because it was fueled. It was, it was filled. And you know what? With that old, those old lanterns, you had to keep refilling them. Because you burned it up as you went about. And you know, life burns up some stuff in us. And that's why the Bible talks about being ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul told the Ephesians church, stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Constantly be filled and stimulated and stirred with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. It's unfortunate. You go over the, the, the second chapter of Revelation and read the couple of chapters. And one of the things you'll read is about the church of Ephesus. And you know what happened to the church of Ephesus? They didn't keep themselves stirred up. They didn't stay filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and John writes a letter by the Spirit of God to them and says, you've left your first love. You've gotten religious. You've lost your fire. They didn't do what Paul ta- shared with them and told them to do by the unction of the Holy Ghost. They didn't stay fueled in a the flame. They let it burn out. How much oil is in your lamp tonight? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what. You need to be so full of the oil that you got enough to pour out to somebody else. How do I get that? Well, Jesus said, you know, oil and water are similar. John 7, Jesus said, if you're thirsty, I pray tonight that I made you so thirsty. Amen friend of mine used to say his daddy you know they 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 they, he'd go up to his dad and say daddy you know you can lead you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink and his daddy'd say yeah but if you put enough salt on his tongue that old horse will drink hallelujah (laughs) i pray i put enough salt on your tongue tonight that you want to come and get you a drink amen because that's what you're needing in fact if there's something right now starting to resist and try to cause you to back that's, that's an indication. You really need what I just preached. You need it. You need it. I need it. We all need it. If the body of Christ in America is going to have revival, we're going to have to have it from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the Gulf of Mexico to the Canadian border. We're going to have to see people hungry for God's Spirit and God's anointing and God's power again. We need a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost.